five o'clock then. Welcome to Thursday's programme. How are you doing today? Is all good? Is all well with you? I'm Richie Allen, as you know. Thanks for joining me today. It's uh, the 30th of March, 2023. Looking forward to this programme. Lots to talk about today. Join in via the website richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, a little bit later on, I will be joined by Maria Heller. It's been a long time since Maria was on. Wonderful broadcaster and journalist. And I think, I think it's pretty true, she has the oldest podcast on the internet. The longest running one. A little bit like Coronation Street there, our Maria Heller. So Maria joins the programme. That's a bit later on. Before then, as I said, we'll have a rundown. We'll have a run through, you and I, the big stories of the day and even of the week. Your comments to the website and BBG Richie on Twitter. It is at BBG Richie on Twitter. That is my Twitter handle. You can drop me a message there if you so choose then. Right, you get rid of the theme tune, boy, and get on with it now. Don't be lingering. Don't be lingering. Don't be... Hey, I tell you, the the climate change thing, let's start with that. Why not? Why not? It's as good a place to start as anywhere. So let me read you from the BBC. This is prescient stuff, this. We've been talking about this. It's an interesting one for me. I've been talking about the climate change hoax for the best part of on the radio, I would say, 13, 14 years. And now we're here. All of the things we talked about back then with great content creators and researchers, the fears they had about where this would all go, it's kind of there now. It's like the car now is, you know, reversing back into the garage or the garage. So the this is the BBC. The government has unveiled a new net zero plan. However, it has met with intense criticism from experts and from environmental groups. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, hang on a second, didn't the government only recently draw up a net zero plan? Yes, the government did. However, the High Court told the government to go back to the drawing board because the previous plan wasn't sufficient to meet climate targets. You see, this is important. And I think I I can't speak for other programmes because I don't listen to very much. But we saw that, didn't we, very early on. They were going to go down the legal route to impose these plans on people by, first of all, imposing them on governments. And we're seeing this, of course, this week in Switzerland, where a couple of thousand women are suing the Swiss government for not taking climate change seriously enough. And by not taking climate change seriously enough, you are risking the health of the nation. So that's what's happening. So the High Court said some time ago, your net zero plan is not good enough. Come back with another one. The government has come back with another one. And in it, they reckon they can store CO2 under the North Sea, where they used to drill for oil and gas. Scientists say this plan 
will not move the UK closer to meeting its legally binding carbon commitments. You've got to keep this in mind, dear listener. Nothing will ever be good enough. Keep that in mind. That might be a slogan in the near future. It's just not good enough. That'll be on posters everywhere. So the government was forced to publish this powering up Britain strategy, says the BBC, after the High Court judged last July that its current plan wasn't detailed enough to show how the UK would meet its goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050. Academics and green groups are unconvinced it will make enough difference. Of course, academics and green groups are unconvinced it will make enough difference. More from green groups in a moment. However, Grant Shapps was on Talk TV this morning. He happens to be the Secretary of State for Energy, Security and Net Zero. He was chatting with Peter Cardwell. You will hear Cardwell first. This is this morning. There's texters and tweeters to this station to Talk TV, Mr Shapps, who really aren't convinced by Net Zero, who see it as a big assault on our way of life, on the economy and how things are done in this country. They also say often that, you know, we're one percent of the emissions globally and even if we get to net zero even if we get those emissions down we're nonetheless in a situation where other countries uh, w- have far more uh, emissions and maybe we should uh, you know have things like import taxes on goods from china for example because of their huge carbon uh, outputs i just wonder i just want to give you the opportunity to try to sell net zero to viewers and listeners of talk tv what should they know what uh, what what is your sell for net zero why do you think it's good for britain its economy and its people interesting opening salvo from peter cardwell so you heard clearly there he said to grant shaps a lot of our listeners are texting and tweeting they're not happy they don't buy into it so sell it to us did he sell it? Well, look, simply, the, 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 we all know the science is beyond any kind of doubt. We all know that we do need to sort out the world. It doesn't, doesn't, uh, is doesn't the science do us any favours our children or grandchildren. Sorry, say again. Is the science beyond all doubt? It's absolutely a scientific consensus. You're 100% yeah. sure? Yeah, yeah. I, That's a massive lie. We know that only recently, three to 400 scientists, all from pretty credible academic institutions, signed a document saying that it's not credible, that anthropogenic climate change theory isn't credible. It doesn't hold water when you examine it closely. So that's a lie from 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 um, from Shapps, the net zero secretary, which Peter Cardwell fails to pick him up on. Uh, I, think, I think that argument's about a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 20-year-old argument. I think we do need to sort that out. But um, I agree with people. We shouldn't be going and sort of living a hair shirt world and going back to living in caves. I want people to be able to go out and, and enjoy themselves, live their lives, grow the economy. And this country's done brilliant at that. We've managed to cut our carbon emissions more than any other developed nation and grow our economy at the same time. So this is a massive export opportunity uh, for us. And people who say, uh, look, aren't we just importing, essentially importing that carbon from China, they may have a point which is why one of the things that we've said today is we'll look at whether there ought to be carbon tax for importing uh, uh, that, that carbon. is one of the measures, it's called a CBAM, a carbon border adjustment, uh, that we'll look at. But the main thing I want to say to people is uh, we can do this and produce massive new industries for us. Carbon capture, this is the idea that you can capture a ton of, capture a ton of carbon and bury it under the North Sea, actually in the old oil and gas uh, uh, locations, that could be worth billions, even trillions of pounds. 
Uh, billions or trillions of pounds, carbon capture, capturing the carbon, capturing the carbon and then transporting it to the bottom of the sea. Sounds like nonsense to me. It's a lie that there is a consensus. There is not. Now, Mike Childs is the head of science at Friends of the Earth. No friends of you and me, and they're not really friends of the Earth either. But anyway, Mike Childs, he was on BBC News this afternoon, Clive Myrie asking the question, what's next if the government doesn't fulfil promises, basically? And if the government does fall short of its, uh, of its commitments, what can you do? Well, previously we've taken the government to court because their plans weren't up to, to scratch. That's what's forced the, the publication of these plans. The UK has a Climate Change Act that was passed in 2008, virtually unanimously by all political parties, Friends of the Earth and others campaigned for it. Um, we don't eagerly take governments to court. It's a costly uh, process. It's a time-consuming process. But if we absolutely need to, to get the government on track to its legally binding targets and to meet its international obligations, then, then we'll do it. Well, there's, a, there's, there's over a 1,000 pages being published today, so we, we need to go through those in, in detail. Um, to understand, you know, the full picture. Uh, but at the moment, um, it looks like the government plans will fall short and they don't have a credible plan yet to, to make up that shortfall. But, but we'll look at the detail, Clive, before we make any, any judgments. Yeah, okay. we, practically, what more should the government be doing, in your opinion? So before we hear what he thinks the government should be doing, you got that. If we have to take the government to court to force the government's hand, we will do that. Practically... Uh, Clive Myrie asks this guy, Mike Childs, what should the government be doing to meet these targets? Remember, this guy represents Friends of the Earth. He's their main science guy. Well, the, the, the two areas that I think are, are very obvious gaps are, one is in terms of renewable energy. Uh, and again, the Prime Minister points towards the, the success of the offshore wind industry in the UK. It's, it's great for our economy. It's great for, for jobs in many parts of the country that suffered industrial decline through, through the through the decades and clearly it's great for the environment uh, as well but we need a lot more onshore wind as well and, and the government has this de facto ban on onshore wind within England um, they need to remove that their, their, their report today says they're looking at that but they've been looking at it for some some time and then on home insulation we do need to see the government funding more insulation for example street by street insulation programs in those street by street insulation programs listen to this those poorer communities that need the most help. But again, the government's still kicking the can down the road in, in, in other areas. So for example, they're talking about new standards for the private rented sector. Many of us will rent our, our homes. Um, but they've been thinking about that for three years and, they're, and, they're, and their report today says, you know, they'll, they'll respond in due course. And they also says later this year, we'll look at how we can help owner occupiers um, insulate their homes. But again, that's later this year. We need to see more urgency from the government because, you know, we look out of our windows and we see what's on our television screens. We can see climate change is impacting communities across the world, devastating storms, devastating floods. We can't take this kind of go slow attitude to dealing with this crisis. We need to see much more rapid action, much more decisive decisions. Yeah, right. That's a friend of the earth guy, Mike Childs there, making it pretty clear, right? We need to do it quicker, 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 quicker. One of the things he said there, owner-occupiers need to be helped to insulate um, by the government. It's not just people who live in local authority housing, poorer people. I think, and I think they've said this, or 
it's been hinted at strongly, they will ultimately embargo homes. That's the plan. No fear-mongering here, dear listener. We are in good form because it's Thursday. We're approaching the end of the week. We're in good form. You're in good form. I'm in good form. Let's stay in good form. But this is the reality. They will eventually embargo homes. You can't sell. You can't buy unless the house is brought up to the standard. But you'll never make it. This is the thing, you see. Because they don't want you to make it. They ultimately want to demolish millions of homes in this country. And I'm not exaggerating. I do mean millions. They want to tear down homes built pre-1960, maybe even pre-1970. Because they'll say these homes will never meet the standard. It'll never be enough. No matter what you do with your home, it won't be enough. And from it, from the home, it'll be your everyday behaviours. You see, they'll get you to put the insulation in. They'll get you to put the heat pumps in. They'll break people. They'll break them financially, okay? They'll bring wind turbines onshore eventually. But it won't be enough. It'll have to eventually get closer and closer and closer to your personal behaviours. And that day is coming very soon, 13 minutes after uh, 5 o'clock. On all of this today, LBC Radio's Virtue Signaller-in-Chief James O'Brien apparently had a big passionate rant about the government's inaction on climate change. Surprise, surprise. And he also had a big rant about Grant Shapp's crazy plans to capture CO2 and bury it under the sea. For the second time this week, we find ourselves in agreement with James O'Brien. Even though we're on the opposite side of the argument, we're in agreement. This is absolute cloud cuckoo land stuff, isn't it? Capture CO2 and sequester it underneath the sea. It's nonsense. So O'Brien went on a rant about the government not doing enough. I will spare you his rant because you can imagine the things he was saying. He is an idiot. But a listener emailed in to say that his rant had moved her to tears. And he talks about it. Listen to this, it's vaudeville. Hi James, I just quite unexpectedly burst into tears whilst you were doing your introduction on climate change, writes Elaine. I'm thinking of my two grandsons and the world that we're leaving for them. I tried to do my bit. I'm nearly 70. But I believe that people who won't buy into this are inherently selfish. And they don't want their lives disrupted or it's such an awful thing to contemplate. They put their fingers in their ears. Some also will have a vested interest financially. Quite frankly, it scares me. Yes, um, me too. Uh, but, But not enough. But not enough. So you're inherently selfish if you won't buy into this, says Elaine. And we're not scared enough, says James O'Brien. It continues. If you tell me that you're in pain, I, I, I will say something like, you say, oh, I've got a terrible headache. I, I will try and minimise your pain. And now I think I'm helping. But what I'm probably doing is selfishly freeing myself from the responsibility of caring more. So you, you say to me, oh, dear, I've got, I've got a really bad... F- f- but I've got really bad gout in my big toe, and I said, "Well, at least you've still got both your, at least you've still got both feet, or something silly like that." Do you know what I mean? People do this. Do you know what he means? Do you follow this line of thought? So people who say, "Ah, climate change, oh, it's not that bad," it's not, you know, don't worry about it. I will still be here tomorrow. I will still be here in ten years' time. Those people are just not getting it, and they are helping. They are not helping the cause. They are doing more harm than good by behaving like that. They are minimising the seriousness of the threat of climate change. The same way I would be minimising your pain if you had gout in your big toe. 
PE teachers, there's only pain. It doesn't really hurt. So you say to me, I, I, I've really, I'm really stressed about that. And I'll say, oh, well, look, try and focus on the positives. And actually, you want to sit with your stress sometimes. You want to sit with your pain. But there is a psychological impulse. This isn't a comedy sketch either, by the way. Which I think we learn to, to sort of, no, 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 come on. Come on, stiff up a lip, everybody, come on. And so a lot of the rejection or, or, or failure to appreciate the gravity of climate catastrophe comes from a good place, or at least a well-meaning place. <laughs> yeah, so the rejection or the failure to acknowledge the gravity of the climate catastrophe, it comes from a good place sometimes, well-meaning, says O'Brien. But it doesn't make it any less harmful. You sort of go, oh, it can't be that bad. I don't want to feel that scared all the time. I'm reading that from Elaine. I want to reassure Elaine. Oh, don't cry. Come on. Think about your grandsons when they come over for Christmas. Dooby dooby dooby. What? Dooby dooby. Dooby? I'm trying to make rose tinted spectacles for her when she should be crying. She should be crying. <laughs> Frankly. Frankly, she should be crying. We are fucked, says James O'Brien. Unless it was just the quality of my introduction that reduced her to tears, which is, of course, a possibility. A, a, a strong possibility. I've been saying to you for some time that Ricky Gervais must have invented time travel because the the office, the BBC comedy, one of the funniest things ever, ever produced by the BBC... It wasn't produced by the BBC, of course. It was shown by the BBC, broadcast by the BBC. Was uh, predates James O'Brien's radio career by a long time. But James O'Brien is David Brent, isn't he? I mean, just listen to this again. But what I'm probably doing is selfishly freeing myself from the responsibility of caring more. So you I am selfishly freeing myself from the responsibility of caring more. You, you say to me, oh dear, I've got, I've got a really bad... I've got really bad gout in my big toe. Bet you he's a pisshead, O'Brien. I bet you he's channeling there. He, why did he bring gout up? Of all the things he could have mentioned on the fly, he brings gout up because he's a pisshead. Look at videos of him on Twitter. He looks very red-faced. Now, I'm a bit of a pisshead from time to time, so maybe people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And I said, well, at least you've still got both, your, at least you've still got both feet or something silly like that. You, you know what I mean? People do this. David Brent. The PE teachers, there's only pain. It doesn't really hurt. So you say to me, I, I, I've really, I'm really stressed about that. And I'll say, oh, well, look, try and focus on the positives. And here's the real David Brent giving a motivational speech to a bunch of young business people. So what? At least I've got my health. And if you haven't got your health, if you've got one leg... At least I haven't got two legs missing. And if you have lost both legs and both arms, just go, at least I'm not dead. <laughs> I'd rather be dead in that situation, to be honest. I'm not saying people like that should be, you know, put down. I'm saying that in my life, I'd rather not live without arms and legs because, you know, I'm just getting into yoga, for one thing. <laughs> Hey, this is the Richie Allen Show, by the way. The time is 19 minutes past five. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. The Richie Allen Show is the most listened to independent news radio show in the world. You make it so. Back with some more chat and Maria Heller a little bit later on in the programme. This is Van Halen from the 1984 album. And Jump, back with you in three minutes to read your messages. Van Halen, Jump from the 1984 album... Yeah, it's all gone very 1984, hasn't it? It's gone P-Tong, hasn't it, Richie? No, no, it's gone very 1984. That's what it's gone. 
Hi to Mark E who says if I'm forced out of my house by the powers that be then the last thing I will be leaving with is an empty box of matches. I hear you. Solar panels and windmills produce a tiny percentage of the power we need, says Wayne, and in real terms produce negative energy. Wayne, you might just put a little link when you when you post this stuff, because this isn't your stuff. It would help others reading the messages. It's very helpful. I'm not just saying that to Wayne. When you grab some text from somewhere else, please put a link to where you got it from, because I know you use a lot of mainstream sources, because ultimately these guys and gals, ultimately... They they broadcast a lot of this stuff, a lot of the truth, you know. So a link would be helpful when you're posting long comments, please. People don't tend to take things seriously when people just post stuff without posting a link. So just consider that if you don't mind. I won't read the rest of that, it's too long. Justin says, David Brent is true comedy genius. Davey says, this is why, and we, the house owners, never knew because when buying you were never told about the energy rating on the property. Yes, I think they will start knocking down perfectly good houses, yet another scam. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, Davy, but soon and for the rest of our lives. Craig says, and you see Craig is on the ball. He's posted a link. Thank you, Craig. The European Parliament, a directive, 14th of March, uh, an article from the 14th of March. The EU Parliament given the green light for the energy performance of buildings directive a law which would lead to massive renovation costs for millions of homeowners already saddled by inflation and falling incomes as green energies and supply woes plague the continent. Where will they get the money from to upgrade their homes? That's the question, Craig, and I think I touched on it earlier on. They will never be able to do enough to satisfy the, 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 the tyrants, let's call them what they are, and um, what will happen then? I don't know. I don't know is the answer. I'd love to know. I suspect what will happen is ultimately people will be forced from their homes. That buildings will be condemned. That's what I think might happen. And that sounds very much like fear-mongering. That sounds like the nonsense that you would get from the truth or industrial complex. And uh, which I despise. But I can't think of anything else they would do other than say, we'll have to condemn the building. It's just producing too much CO2. Or it you are having to create too much CO2 to live within the four walls. Or the five walls, or whatever the case might be. Rob says, we already have these wonderful carbon-catching things called trees and plants, but they can chop them down to make way for 5G towers. That's all any journalist has to say to any politician pushing this green agenda shite, says Rob. Well, they also destroy perfectly healthy trees for cycle lanes, don't they, as well. William says, Richie, insulation doesn't save lives. Being able to switch on affordable heating is what saves lives. That is right. Uh, Hazy says, it sounds like O'Brien has met my GP. Uh, Angela, thanks for your comment. Steve says, world climate declaration. There is no climate a emergency and then he's put a link as well the links are helpful i'm not having a pop at anybody at all but you know to post stuff as fact in a way that makes it look like it's your own opinion uh, is not helpful so do post links where appropriate please i'll make journalists out of you i swear to god if it kills me jenny says climate change has always existed it isn't caused by co2 carbon is essential to life we are carbon without it this would be a dead planet. This is insane. 
And Pandora, and this is the last one for now, did you notice the chaps, did you notice chaps, that's the net zero secretary, did you notice his subtle usage of, quote, it's an old argument, but uh, I agree with you, end quote. Notice too, he subtly scoffed or laughed at the idea of wanting you to go out and enjoy, laugh, scoff yourselves. He is a maggot, says Pandora, and should be fed to the ravens of the tower. <laughs> That's a lovely gothic threat. I like that. Bit of fantasy there. Let's throw him to the ravens in the tower. 27 minutes past the hour. This is your Richie Allen show. Where am I going now? I don't know. Ah, yeah, it's just something a bit silly. You know, again, you've got to sometimes live with my warped sense of humour. I find things funny that you won't find funny. Coming back from an ad break this morning, Kay Burley, Sky News, coming back from an ad break. Have a listen to this. I do see... Ah, stop. Coming back from an ad break, Kay Burley. Hello again, everybody. Before the break, we gave you a clue about whose birthday it is today. She's an American singer-songwriter from Ohio, best known for her song about a fast car. Did you guess it was? So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car, speed so fast. Diana Ross. Tracy Chapman's birthday. Ah. She is 59 today. Good for her. Good for her. Happy birthday, Tracy. Now. Happy birthday, Tracy. Now, somber voice. Key, Q, Q, K, the actress. Across the world. Across the world. Children who struggle to get a good night's sleep. That's particularly the case in Syria, where millions of youngsters have known nothing but conflict all of their lives. But now a team of neuroscientists and musicians have clubbed together to create a special lullaby. What? Drowning out the sound of war. They've done what? Hang on a second. So we've lots and lots of children in Syria who can't sleep, understandably. I'll give you that, Kay. What's the solution? In Syria, where millions of youngsters have known nothing but conflict all of their lives. But now a team of neuroscientists and musicians have clubbed together to create a special lullaby. Neuroscientists and musicians have clubbed together to create a special lullaby for the beleaguered children of Syria. Drowning out the sound of war. Drowning out the sound of war. Must be some lullaby. Who did they get to sing it? Metallica? At bedtime. Let's take a listen. Mother of Jesus. Joined now by Dr. Daniel Bowling, one of the neuroscientists behind this campaign. Hello to you, um, Doctor. Thank you for staying up, especially for us there. Um, tell me about the lullaby. Lovely and blunt. Tell me about the lullaby. Some idea. We got neuroscientists and musicians to club together to create a lullaby to drown out the sound of the war. Tell us about the lullaby. My pleasure. Nice to be with you. Um, yeah, so so we uh, I, I consult with a company called Spiritune. Spiritune is a uh, collaborative effort between musicians and scientists, music therapists, and technologists to um, use science to inform music to help um, improve health and wellness. And we got involved in this project to try to create a lullaby to help um, bring some comfort to children in Syria. We decided to create a lullaby to bring some comfort to the children in Syria. And, um, and. we we worked with, with this composer and kind of, my role was more of an, in an editorial uh, editorial role. She, she wrote the music 
and we try to keep it aligned with the parameters that Right, we, we wrote a lullaby so that the children could get to sleep in Syria. Here's, here's, here's an alternative proposition. How about you accept that you've failed to overthrow the rightful ruler of Syria? Well, he's not the rightful ruler. But um, the Syrian president, Bashar al-Assad, you failed miserably in 10 years. You failed like a bitch to overthrow him. So how about you stop sending weapons of mass destruction to Wahhabist head-chopping lunatics in Syria, allow Assad, with the aid of the Russians, to rid the country once and for all of these madmen, and then the children might get to sleep after all, rather than send them lullabies. Oh, Jesus Christ. It is 29 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Apologies for the casual blasphemy there. But that is madness, isn't it? It's a grand madness. A new report claims that schools are routinely allowing children to switch gender and not informing their parents. It isn't that long ago that I was in school. I'm only 48. I have to read this stuff again and again and again for it to sink in. You know, children are switching gender. And schools think that it's not really that important to phone up Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Listen, um, Billy is not Billy today. He's uh, Mary, just to let you know, okay? Grant, he'll be home at the usual time. Um, This is a report by the Policy Exchange, which is a kind of of right-of-centre think tank. And in the report, it strongly condemns schools for uncritically accepting contested beliefs on gender identity. And the report says the practice of affirming gender distress has become embedded. The Times are all over this. In fact, this made the front page of Thursday's The Times. So it did. The Times. So schools are neglecting safeguarding by adopting affirmative practices when confronted with children who are questioning or are confused by their gender identity. The Policy Exchange publication says some schools risk breaching laws by failing to offer single-sex toilets or by allowing organisations involved in political campaigning to provide relationship and sex education lesson resources. Of course, they're talking about Stonewall and other lunatic asylum organisations, right? Letting Stonewall into schools to to corrupt the minds of children. Let's get um, some comment on this. Natasha rang into the Jeremy Vine television programme, which airs on Channel 5 most weekdays. Natasha is a mum. Listen to Natasha speak a little bit of sense and then listen to the reaction from the host of the programme. It's an incredibly difficult one. I'm the um, mother of a transgender child. She, around the age of about 13, started identifying as trans. And I explicitly told the school that they should not affirm name changes and they totally went behind my back and done it anyway. And I am 100% in agreement with Mike, the fact that in every aspect of my child's life, I'm expected to take a 100% responsibility for them. But when it comes to this, they remove all permissions from my hands. And, yeah. and it's, it's just been awful. Do, do you, so your, your child was born female? A girl. 
Yeah, she was born a girl and she knew nothing about trans before she went to secondary school. She had mental health problems. We were with CAMS and um, they, the school nurse asked her, started asking her mental health questions like, were you born in the wrong body? Imagine that. This is Natasha, a mother, phoning into the Jeremy Vine show. Imagine they're asking children with mental health difficulties. Do you think you might be born in the wrong body? This is going on. How do you identify? She come home and she was bemused by the questions. But then it started sort of sticking in her head. There was yeah. rainbow rooms for L- There was rainbow rooms in the school for LGBT students. Sort of sticking in her head. There was yeah. rainbow rooms for LGBTQ. Rainbow rooms. Um, and 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 I find it strange that you want to give a certain group of people safe spaces in school, like a rainbow room. Mm. But shouldn't school always be a safe space for every child? Understood. And- thank, thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, Natasha. You, you... He couldn't get rid of her quick enough. She had exactly one minute and twenty seconds before he got rid of her. She was about the most interesting call on any of the chat shows today. Really interesting lady. Soon as she started criticising the rainbow rooms, Jeremy Vine couldn't wait to get her off the TV. Amazing this, isn't it? I don't know how scumbags like Jeremy Vine manage to sleep at night, to be honest. Because he knows that is wrong. He knows he's got a good caller on there, an articulate woman, speaking about her own personal experience and her daughter. Soon as she starts to get a little bit critical of it, get her off. Get her off. Get her off as quick as you can. The media in this country. Anyway, Miriam Cates is a Conservative Party MP. You will know, if you listen to this programme, that she is very much on the ball when it comes to this particular issue. She spoke to Talk TV earlier today. Well, I think this is an incredibly widespread problem. We've known for some time that uh, not only is there a significant increase in the number of children presenting with gender distress, uh, but also that schools were... What is gender distress? Just for people watching, what exactly is that, Miriam? So I think gender distress is the idea that a child um, decides that they're uncomfortable with their biological sex. So most frequently this is girls going through puberty deciding that uh, actually they might be a boy or they might be non-binary, which means they kind of don't identify with either sex. Now, just to step back from this uh, for a minute, this idea that you can be a different gender from your biological sex is made up. Uh, There is no scientific evidence for it. Obviously, it's an ideology that has very much captured a lot of our public debate, uh, but it is just a theory. There is no fact behind it. There are two biological sexes, male or female. Obviously, there's an infinite different way, number of different ways to express your biological sex and who you are, uh, but there are just two biological sexes. But over the past 10 years, particularly, there's been this extraordinary rise in children, particularly girls, who are expressing distress with their sex body. And of course, puberty is a very uh, difficult time for many children, and it's not unusual at all to be uncomfortable with your body. But what is unusual is to have this idea uh, and to have this idea reinforced by schools that you could actually be a different sex, a different gender because of, of your feelings. Yeah, she's asked by the presenter next, she's asked, where is this all coming from in the name of God? Where does this originate? 
that is, of course, the primary question that we need to answer. And I think um, further on in the report, there are clues to that. And it explains how uh, certain organisations like, for example, Stonewall have made their way into schools um, because originally, you know, their, their initial campaigns were very well respected, very effective um, civil rights campaigns around gay rights and uh, preventing gay people from being discriminated against. But that has been used as a Trojan horse, really, for this trans ideology, this gender ideology to make Trojan horse, eh? make its way into schools. And because of the kind of atmosphere around political correctness and equality, diversity and inclusion, I think very few people have dared to challenge this very new idea that you can change sex or change gender and present as a different gender to your biological sex. And I think obviously many parents do not want their child to be absorbed by gender ideology. They don't want their girls to be binding their breasts and allowing boys in their changing rooms. Uh, and so, of course, if the parents did know, they would probably complain um, and also express severe dis dissatisfaction with their, you know, what their child, the, the feelings that are being affirmed in their child at school. So I think, you know, some schools have chosen rather than to have that battle with parents to just keep them in the dark. Keep them in the dark. It's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, just don't tell the parents. Yeah, let's keep them in the dark. We don't want to get into a battle with the parents about their children. You never owned your child. It's a terrible thing, that, that phrase, you know, you don't own your child. But I've often heard it used in the context of this particular issue. People say, you don't own your child, the state does. Well, nobody should own the child, but, but you should be the, so you should be the guardian number one, shouldn't you, as a parent? Unless you're doing bad things to your child, you should be, you should be guardian number one. You, you bear responsibility, but... Yeah, it's 20 minutes to the top of the hour. Uh, let's scroll down. Davy asks, have the sheep or the normies, as he likes to call them, learned sweet nothing from the COVID scam? Thousands of scientists were kept off the airwaves and social media. It's the same again. The scientists who have studied climate change for years and, like most of us, um, you know, disbelieve it or, or, or have another opinion are denied. They're kept off the airwaves. Well, they are, but this has been going on for a long time, for a very long time, scientists, and there are many of them. And again, they happen to stride the corridors of the same universities of many of those who tell you that climate change is real and that we're all going to die in 40 years unless we reach net zero. Many of those who say, many of those, I should say, who dissent and say, well, this is nonsense, go to the same bloody places, went to the same universities, uh, and in fact, lecture often, lecture at the same universities. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Annette. She says, remember, the Coronavirus Act allowed for contaminated properties to be demolished. That's true. She says, so the people in Syria are not able to come up with their own lullabies. These virtue signalling morons make me sick. Thank you for that. Paul says, it's lovely to hear that Kay Burley has a conscience about Syrian kids, isn't it? Given that she works for Rupert Murdoch, who, through his energy company Genie, has been itching to get into the Golan Heights to drill the feck out of it, says Paul. Thank you uh, for Paul. And regarding that article earlier on about the European Union and the pressure that will be brought to bear on homeowners to bring their houses up to standard and to insulate them, um, here's one of the comments on that article or under that article. Uh, Craig has sent it in. Older buildings will become valueless, won't be maintained and will be torn down and replaced with higher density dwellings that cost more and are more 
profitable. And the person who commented says, this is happening in Calgary where I live. Single family dwellings that are livable are torn down and replaced by infill or small multi-dwellings that in total sell for two to three times what a single home dwelling uh, would if zoning protected. Warehouses and small commercial buildings are re-retrofitted even as loft apartments with the same multiple of sales profits. This is coming here. Everything that happens, happens in lockstep. You know that, I know that. 18 minutes to the top of the air. Time for another tune. Remember, very shortly, Maria Heller will be on the programme with me, live from Arizona. You don't want to miss Maria Heller. Can't wait for that. Right, more of your comments, please. RichieAllen.co.uk, where it says comment live, please. It's the BBG, not the BBC. Today, this A greatest day on Thursday's Richie Allen Show, the 30th of March 2023. April is a day and a half away, more or less, isn't it? Comments to richieallen.co.uk. Really appreciate them. Thanks for taking the time. Now, Guy Pierce, remember Guy Pierce from Neighbours? That's where he started out. He was in Neighbours, he was the love interest of Plain Jane Superbrain. Remember Neighbours when you were in secondary school in Waterford in the 80s and you came home at lunchtime and Neighbours was on and you had to rush back to get to your first class after lunch. I was lucky because I lived right next door to St Paul's Community College. So it wasn't much of a sprint for me. Anyway, Guy Pearce went on to do a lot more than Neighbours, didn't he? You will be aware of this now. But he's apologised for, quote, starting a fire, end quote, because he suggested... How dare the little bollocks that any actor should be able to play a trans character. Or you could hear the screams from the planet Mars. In an initial tweet, he wrote, did Guy Pearce, who was in Memento, which is a great film. He wrote a a question. If the only people allowed to play trans characters are trans folk, then are we also suggesting the only people trans folk can play are trans characters? Surely that will limit your career as an actor. Isn't the point of being an actor to be able to play anyone outside your own world? That seems like common sense to me. A non-thespian, yes, acting. (laughs) I did dally with it when I was in primary school and secondary school. Yes, pretending to be somebody else. And of course I recently played a vicious thug in a short film produced and directed by Hayden Hewitt. Where I starred, I didn't star, I was basically, I had a line, did I? I think I had a line, yeah. I played a thug, Bruce Jones was in it, the lovely Bruce Jones. And um, I had to act like a thug, I had to act all all hard and homicidal. Now I'm not homicidal and I'm not very hard either, but I had to pretend to be. In any case, so Guy Pierce says, look, you know, come on, like, you know, can I play a trans person and are you not limiting the careers of trans people if this is the road you're going down? Well, they went bananas on social media. And crazily, Guy Pierce then wrote a very lengthy apology. He apologised for, quote, crass, crassly focusing, end quote, on an, quote, already harassed minority, end quote, and he noted his own full house of privilege. That's a quote. 
I've got a full, fair dinkum. I'm not even going to attempt an Australian accent. I can barely do my own accent. Fair dinkum, you flaming galah. I've got a full ass of privilege. He's got a, I don't know what that is, that accent. So he has a full house of privilege. Wow. Satire is not dead. And the satirist Constantine Kissin, Constantine Kissin was on GB News to talk about this very thing. Oh dear God, what was my, what was Mike from Neighbours thinking of? It is an amazing world we live in, Dan, where a statement of the bleeding obvious gets you attacked like this on the internet. And of course, you know, I've been thinking about this. You know, imagine you had a friend and she said, I've got this new boyfriend and he's pretty nice. But every time I say something he doesn't agree with, uh, he threatens to leave me and generally demands an apology uh, until and he won't give up until he, he gets one. It's an abusive relationship um, with these people. And if your livelihood depends on uh, these people, you're always going to find that you're walking around on eggshells. So my advice to people always is if you're in this position is try to get out of it. You don't want your livelihood dependent on these people because you'll never be pure enough. You'll never be woke enough. They will always find some opinion that you've got that used to be absolutely acceptable until about three minutes ago that now makes you a phobe of some kind, and they'll keep coming after you. So I, I think it's a it's a sign of the times. And, you know, the mistake he's made here is apologizing, in my opinion, because it just doesn't end well. in our. And we know this. We've seen it with previous cases. Never apologize. Why is it that only trans people can play trans people, says Mike Pierce? Isn't that limiting... Does that mean that trans people can only play trans people? Yeah, why apologise for that? I actually thought the whole point of being liberal is that people are free to do different things and do whatever they believe and, and try different options and so on. And to me, the reason I oppose all of this is to me it's the most illiberal thing in the world where you, there is a small minority of people who get to tell everyone else how they ought to behave, what movies they ought to act in and not act in, what opinions they're supposed to have, and as in this case, what questions they're allowed to ask in public. This is an extraordinarily illiberal ideology uh, and that's why i think some of us call it a religion or a cult because it seeks to impose its values on everybody else uh, and uh, the, the the thing i think a lot of people find themselves in trouble with if you're not paying attention to the stuff on a daily basis you don't know what the rules are because they change every day changing every day the rules are forever changing of course they are that's the whole point of it so you'll tie yourself up in knots and eventually you will never opine on anything for fear of the sort of backlash that Mike Pierce experienced. A little bit more from Constantine Kissin. The whole point of cancelling people isn't just to punish the individual. It is mainly, actually, I think, to send a signal to other people. You better not get out of line. You better not say what you think. You better not ask him. The guy didn't even say anything. He just asked a question. I mean, that is the level. But, of course, you're right. I think the main point of what they're doing is to signal to everybody else, keep your trap shut, keep your head down, don't challenge this new uh, orthodoxy. This is a religion that must not be questioned then. You see, he, Constantine Kissin, I didn't know too much about him before today. He must be listening to the Richie Allen show because we've been saying this for years. That's the whole point of the culture war that is being waged. This is the whole point of wokeness. It is to signal to everybody else, look what happened to that chap when he asked a pretty harmless question. In the case of Guy Pearce, the, the question wasn't merely harmless. It was also quite appropriate. You know, trans people were kicking off because a, a, a straight, not straight, but somebody who's happy with their biological sex, an actor who's happy with his biological sex, 
who, who says, yes, I am a man because I have a penis, plays a trans woman. That can't be allowed. We must reserve these roles for trans women. But then you're not acting. You're basically just living your, own, your, your, your normal life. You're just carrying on as normal in front of the camera. Anywho, uh, keep your comments coming in. Maria Heller will join the programme shortly. It's Thursday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. Surprise, surprise. Diane says that Guy Pierce was in Priscilla. That's right, Diane. How could I not remember that? <laughs> well done. Hence, says Diane, he is correct. That's right. Grok says it sounds like Guy Pierce only made the first statement in order to make the second statement. Uh, maybe. Who knows what his motivation was. The fact is, it's a pretty benign opinion to express, isn't it? Jenny says another good idea is to stay off social media. Patrick says despite being a good actor in good movies, Pierce appears to have become another apologist and coward. It's too easy to be calling people cowards. We don't know that he's a coward. He's in a bubble, isn't he? He's in a vacuum. He's in a bubble. He's in a, you know, a Hollywood bubble. And he probably realised, holy shit, this could be the end of the career. (laughs) That doesn't necessarily make you a coward. But I hear you. I understand why you would take that position, that point of view. Chris says, Chris the Gardener, hi Chris, evening all, they will never get me into one of their so-called smart cities. I'd rather live in the woods with the squirrels. But they won't allow you to live in the woods, Chris. Were you not listening to Tony Gosling last night? People getting chased out of wild areas or wild lands. Big, you know, people who've got a tent down, you know. Do you read Enid Blyton growing up? I read Enid Blyton growing up. It seems, when I when I think back to my reading Enid Blyton, that the Famous Five were forever poncing around the countryside, basically pitching their tents and sometimes their caravans wherever they saw fit. Now, admittedly, Dick and Julian, would they would often knock at the farmhouse door and speak to the farmer's wife to ask permission and then give a couple of truppany bits for some, some, some milk and some eggs. They were great books, weren't they? But they could go to places. They could go to the moors, remember? Five go camping or something like that. Five get into trouble. The famous five. And they're editing all of the books now. Enid Blyton... They're editing stuff. Wow, it's mad stuff, isn't it? What's going on? Gabriel says, anyone with secondary school aged children will know how much of this gender issue is being pushed on them. It's absolutely amazing that they are getting away with it. It's damaging children's mental health irreparably. It took me two years to educate my daughter about what was really going on. She just kept screaming transphobe at me. Thank God she now understands. Gabriel, I think there was tongue in cheek there. Tongue in cheek. <laughs> she was screaming transphobe at me. Uh, b- b- by tongue in cheek, I, I don't think she was really upset, like like properly upset at you, or was she? Transphobe. Three and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Thursday's programme. This is the Richie Allen Show live from BBG Towers here in the heart of Salford. Always good to be with you. Comments to richieallen.co.uk, please. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Please do. The end of the month, the programme. I don't often make an appeal for support, but please support the programme. There is a tab at richieallen.co.uk. It basically says support your show 
You see it at the top of the website there, and there are details there as to how you can support the program. Please do. It's very expensive to put this program on. It's a very ironic thing. The more listeners it uh, attracts, the more expensive it becomes. It really does, and uh, it needs your support. So if you do listen to it, please support it. Make it a monthly support, please. If you can't support it because you, because you don't have the money, don't worry about it. Uh, I won't hold it against you, but if you can and you don't, please do go to support your show at richieallen.co.uk. It's gratefully received, dear listener. I totted it up. Since 2014, it's been over 2,000 live radio shows, and that is not including the very many morning live streams I used to do on YouTube before I got kicked off of YouTube. So um, it's a hard graph, this. Please support it. RichieAllen.co.uk. Support your show, top of the menu bar. Here's Journey, and don't stop believing. Maria Heller should be with us shortly. Yeah, Journey and Don't Stop Believing. I'm guessing that song will forever be remembered as the song that was playing when Tony Soprano died or was murdered at the end of The Sopranos. That is, is of course, if he was murdered. And that's a very subjective position to take. In any case, hey, listen, it's a, it's a real pleasure, it's a real joy for me to welcome back a friend of ours to the programme. It's been a long time since uh, she was last with us. I think the last time she was on was before I blew up the old studio and built it back better. Do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> Right. Don't say that. You'll trigger people. She's a magnificent broadcaster and journalist. She has been presenting her programmes for the best part of 20 plus years. And it is genuinely uh, the the Maria Heller Show, the oldest podcast on the internet. You will find it at her website, Maria, M-E-R-I-A dot net. Welcome back, old pal. How are you? It's good to be back, Richie. I'm a little sore, but I'm okay. Come on, tell us what you did. You were you were you were in you were working out last night, and and then what? <laughs> I I unexpectedly took quite the fall to the floor, <laughs> landed on my landed on my head and my shoulder. Just got to see my chiropractor. She was like, "Holy crap, you're out everywhere." She said, "If it wasn't for you working out, she said you definitely would have broke some bones." All right, because you were active, you, you, you've, you've avoided the fractures and what have you. If you'd just walked down a flight of steps, you might be in serious trouble. I get you. Okay. Right. Well, this is why people of all ages, especially as you get older, you really need to do some weight training, some cardio. You've got to keep your body strong. She, she did muscle testing on me. All my muscles were fine. Uh, and, you know, anybody else at my age definitely would have been in the hospital. You'd have been in serious trouble. It's been, right. I'm right in saying it, it, the last time you were on was just before all of my studio shenanigans. So it's, it's been yeah. quite a while. There's, there's a lot to, uh, to get into. I, um, I had, I've, I've just done an hour of news and, uh, it's the most depressed I've ever been doing an hour of news and I generally tend to make fun of it and to make light of it but it appears to me and this is going to sound like a very general statement but we're we're hurtling now like a juggernaut towards totalitarianism right I mean it's it's speed of light stuff now things that you and I spoke about 10-11 years ago when I was in London as things that might come about in the future it seems that they're here now and it's it's nothing is stopping this stuff happening 
you know, we go on social media and we, you know, we, we scream out that we're not happy with it and that we're not going to take it. And we shout abuse. We, we, we tweet to a congresswoman or to a senator or to an MP. And yet it just carries on anyway. Do you feel like that or am I just having a bad day? Listen, it's very easy to get depressed with the news. Okay. It's even easier to get depressed with the news if you don't understand spiritually what's going on. Okay. Uh, And and I know for a lot of people, they'll poo-poo that statement. But yesterday I completed episode four. I'm going to continue till I'm through the entire book on Hacking the God Code by Patricia Corey. And what I like about her is she's hep to the news, she's hep to what's going on, but she's also hep to what's going on in what we would call spiritual warfare. Uh, So if you don't understand on a spiritual level, and you don't understand or agree with or too lazy to look up Agenda 2030, you have no idea that this is exactly what they're putting into place. It's all about Agenda 2030, which I talked about, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, here it is. You see it in America all the time. You know, here we have now we're averaging, get this, Richie, three train derailments a day. Okay. Hang on a second. In this first world country, which is, you know, where your cities are ultra modern, at least most of them, three derailments a day across America. How is that happening? Well, my feeling is if you look at the derailments, if you look at the pipeline leaks, if you look at the chemical leaks, chemical explosions, gas explosions, explosions on our power grids, uh, anybody that can't see that this is sabotage is crazy. And I left out the explosions at our food factories. Uh, so it's like everything is under attack, and yet everybody's acting like it's perfectly normal, like the weather in California is perfectly normal. None of it is normal, and it's all created by the overlords, okay, the people in charge. But to keep out of your depression, I can't agree that nothing is being done. When I look at what the people in Israel have done, yeah, uh, what the people in France are still doing, It just makes me wonder, with the way our rights are being taken away in this country, what is America waiting for to get out in the streets by the millions? You and I, Uh, you and I. The only ones that seem to care here is Generation Z, which is truthfully the only hope I have for this country at this point. We spoke many times over the years about the inaction on behalf of, you know, American people and even in the UK. And I think we reached a consensus, didn't we, that they very successfully divided us through identity politics. We spend, we're more concerned about the differences between us, you know, gay, straight, black, white. um, And focusing on that stuff, the overlords, as you call them, sit back, laugh and light a cigar while we kill one another on things that are unimportant. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And here we are again. They're telling us the American taxpayer is not going to bail out these failing banks, which is a lie. Of course, we're bailing them out. So, you know, when you have regulations that are taken away, you know, that worked, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, regulations against, you know, AK-15s that, you know, worked, 
uh, to eliminate a tremendous amount of mass shootings when Clinton would pass that. And of course, that went away after Clinton because Republicans are gun crazy. Uh, you look at the regulations on the railroads, which Trump also deregulated. He deregulated the factories, the same as George W. Bush said, let them all regulate themselves. Uh, so when you have weak rules in place to start with and then they get eliminated, what do people expect? Now, you're somebody who is a gun owner and you're pretty proficient when it comes to using a gun. So you are somebody who respects the Second Amendment and you're somebody who understands that a fellow American citizen might want to keep firearms because of the tyrannical overlords you just described. But what you're saying is, and you've said this, some of my listeners now will go crazy listening to this and that's why I love having you on because, <laughs> because they, they, they won't get the nuance. You, you believe that there can be a happy marriage, that people can own guns because they have a constitutional right to own guns and it should not be taken away from them. But more needs to be done to stop lunatics getting guns, basically. Well, not just the lunatics, which I think everybody's lunatic in this country now. <laughs> I mean, you know, I want to talk about what caused yeah. that. Uh, but the Second Amendment was written at the time where the only guns in this country were muskets. OK, and it took like five minutes to put one bullet in it. Yeah. When you have people at AK-47s, AK-15s, those are only meant for mass murder. There's no, You're not going hunting with a gun like that. You're not protecting your house with a gun like that. A handgun, I could understand. Uh, and if anybody thinks having guns is going to protect them against the weapons our government has, just look at the weapons that France and Israel are using on their protesters. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so, you know, people, and there's nothing wrong. I don't ever see anything wrong with a background check before you get a gun. Before I got mine, I had to, to have a background check. Uh, I had to take classes. Uh, and that's the way that it should be. Uh, but when you look at how many mass shootings, I mean, so far this year, we've had 333 children killed by guns. And it's only March. What if I said you know, to so you? You got the Republicans busy banning books, but they're not going to ban guns. They're all wearing on their lapels little, uh, little AK-15s. Yeah, go, go with me. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I want, I want to argue with you here. Go with me on this. That's horrendous, okay. isn't it? Over three hundred children being the victims of gun violence. I'm, and I'm not going to try and just gloss over that. It's horrendous. But I want to go back to what you said about you only need a handgun or you shouldn't need any more than that. Can we look at it this way? And do go with me for a minute now before you interrupt me, right? Let's look at it this way. I would, would guess that since the turn of the year, maybe more people have been killed in automobile accidents than have been killed by guns in, in America. I'm willing to bet my, my, my salary this week on that. But we're not going to take everybody out of cars. Now, what, what I'm saying is, yes, it's, it's strange to me as an Irishman who's never held a gun that people would buy an AK-47 or an AK-15. But I'm willing to bet that maybe tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans, have bought these semi-automatic weapons. And that only a tiny, tiny few people are likely to go and take one of those guns into a public place and open fire. Do you get the point I'm making? Like the great, great majority, maybe it's even less than half a percentage point of those who own the semi-automatic weapons would ever use them. 
So 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 take that analogy, like more. Oh yeah, but yeah. then you got to say then if you're not going to use it, why do you have it? Because they're genuinely terrified of their government. Now I agree with you. I I agree one hundred percent. You're wasting your time if you think your AK forty seven is going to protect you against your paramilitary police and and all of that craziness you've got going yeah, on I mean, over they there. They got tanks. They have every weapon of mass destruction you yeah. can possibly think of. Even in my small town, they have one of those giant SWAT tanks. And I'm like, I, I went up to it and I, I asked the cop, I said, what the hell do you need these for in this town? Well done. You know, but, you know, when you have the government that wants to get rid of it and, you know, they'll say we sell weapons to anybody and anything. Uh, and you see how many people are killed by cops in this country every year, at least 1,200. Uh, so, you know, there has to be some sort of regulations in place. No, hang on now, hang on, because there's a contradiction there. I agree with you on the cops killing people. I don't subscribe, but I do, Maria, go on to a couple of websites that maybe I shouldn't go on to. They're, they're not gore websites, but they are completely unfiltered websites, right? So I've seen mm. some despicable things. And it's like every other day, a cop in some part of the States beating the crap out of somebody, tasering somebody, but often killing them. Again, I'm going to say to you, the chap who lives around the corner from Maria Heller, who says... I'm going to go to a gun uh, trade show and I'm going to buy myself an AK-47. Maybe he's seen those videos and he thinks, look at the tanks they have. Look at the way they burst into people's houses with stun grenades and look at the way they murder people. I tell you what, I'm going to get myself an AK-47. Who could blame him? Well, that's. I think there's just a small segment that thinks that way. Okay, people that are informed know that our weapons are like child's play compared to what the police and the government has. So why not start with the police then? But I, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being childish with you. You're, you're, you're a pal. I love you. I love having you on. But, but why not turn that ire on? Why do all these people see all these mums? And I feel sorry for these mums. I mean, God knows, I feel you feel sorry for them. They, they get a phone call and they learn that somebody has shot their child in. In, 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 in junior school it, it, nothing can be more horrendous than that and yet they come out these women and I, 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 I don't blame them because they don't know better and they scream about stop these guns and all that but you just described look at the cops look at the cops the cops are basically paramilitary forces why do these victims not look at the cops and say well let's start with the cops alright well then you can also look down at the, uh, the mass shooting in Uvalde uh, Texas, yeah, where they had, I don't know, 300 cops, good guys with guns. And while the guy was in there shooting up the school, the cops didn't go in because they said, uh, you know, they're heavily armed. We don't want to get hurt. So the cops, the good guys with the guns, did nothing. They stood outside for over an hour while the yeah. children were getting massacred. Why do you think that was? And Can I just ask you this? Dory is a listener of yours. Um, she's in a southern state in the United States. Dory says, please ask the lovely Maria. It is Maria Heller, by the way, M-E-R-I-A dot net. Subscribe to Maria. Unbelievable archive of uh, shows going back 20 plus years. Uh, Dory says, please ask the lovely Maria if she is aware that at least in Dory's opinion, some of the mass shootings are staged events or organised by the overlords and their minions in the CIA. Are some of these things staged? Of course. Of course, but just, you know, listen, I've said this a gazillion times. Just because it's a false flag doesn't mean people didn't get killed. Yeah. 
Okay, so you got to look at when you look at the whole picture of the goal of twenty uh, agenda twenty thirty, and here in the states, I don't know if it's happening where you are yet, Richie. Here in the states, what they're doing is trying to romanticize living in shipping containers, yeah, uh, living in your van, how to you know how to redo your van so you could live in it. These tiny houses. Uh, there, it's all part of Agenda 21, where everybody's forced into the cities. Everybody's forced to use public transportation. You can't own anything anymore. In the state of Florida, who's, which is run by a Nazi, because he decides that he wants to fight with Disney and Disneyland, uh, he takes away their tax benefits. And what ended up happening? I get a call from one of my friends in Florida. She said they just raised my property taxes $800 a month. Now, you called DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, a Nazi. I don't know that he isn't, so I'm not going to argue with you. However, some of our listeners, and I'm sure people who listen religiously to the Maria Heller show, as they should, they will like a lot of what this guy is saying, particularly around central bank digital currencies, around cashless. He appears to be on the right side of some issues. What do you think? Well, I mean, when you have a man who wants to you know, pass a don't say gay bill in your, in his state, when you fire a principal of a school for showing his classroom a photograph of Michelangelo's David, uh, when you pass anti-trans bills, anti-gay bills, and book bans, ridiculous book bans, uh, and now he's passing uh, his book ban law. If one complaint comes in about a book, one person complains, the book is gone. All right, so he's a Nazi. And what a lot of people don't realize about him, besides, you know, killing women's right to abortion, is that this guy was at Gitmo when he was in the service. He was, yeah. And you damn well know he wasn't just standing there watching them torture, force feed, and waterboard people. Uh, and, of course, now that he's caught, you know, because the stories finally came out, he wants us to believe that he was just there and as, as an observer. No, you're right. He signed off on the waterboarding. They're all demons. I mean, yeah. I don't know what part of these people are yeah. not human. People just don't seem to want to get. Let me argue with you on the trans thing, and you probably expected an argument. I Look, I, don't, I can't say I agree with Ron DeSantis, because I don't know what Ron DeSantis's opinion is on is on gay or trans people. Look, I'm an old socialist, as you well know, and I will stand alongside anybody who is being persecuted just for being themselves. I won't put up with it. You won't put up with it. We just won't put up with it. Um, but um, I don't know if you're aware of some of the things that are going on in classrooms here in the UK. It's 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 borderline psychological torture on children, Maria. You know, they're asking very young children in this country to consider things that they are not nowhere near mature enough to consider and to understand. And I understand a lot of parents in this country, why they're being upset. They're not anti-trans, they don't care, and they, they're they not remotely bigoted when it comes to, a, 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 a you know, somebody identifying, um, you know, somebody, I was born in the wrong body, I was born a man, but I identify as a woman. The great majority of people say, I have a bit of empathy for you, you know, of course I'll you know, I, I will do what I can to make you feel comfortable. We've always done that, most of us, right? Mm -hmm. But but some of the stuff going on in schools is, it's not inappropriate, it's scandalous, I would say. It really is scandalous. Well, listen, you know, I try to remember, I mean, hey, it's been a long time since I was in school, Richie. But 
uh, I mean, all those years ago, so let's, let's say the 1960s, you all had to take sex education classes. You didn't take sex education in, you know, in elementary school, you know, up to sixth grade, uh, but because children were much more innocent then. Okay, but the truth of the matter is in America, the average age of the first of a child now having sex is 11 years old. Okay, Uh, so maybe they needed to move sex ed from high school to junior high. Do you know what I'm saying? I can. They are fast. They're not the way we were. We were retarded by comparison. There was something wrong with all of us. That's a very good point. But they're telling children things that are not scientifically proven. They're telling children that there are 60, 70, 80 genders. There are not. There are two biological sexes. I don't. I listen. I don't buy into all of that. First of all, I've never been a person that goes in for labels. Okay. Yeah. You know that I have a consulting business, and you know I, I read for all kinds of different people. Okay, people that are in, you know, uh, a relationship with two husbands, one wife, Uh, gay people, straight people, you name it. And what I find is they always have a little bit of guilt because they always seem to have to need to label themselves. And the truth of the matter is we're all sexual beings. How we uh, how we express our sexuality is our own business, unless, of course, we're hurting someone else. Yeah. Uh, but everybody wants to put a label, a label on everything. To me, listen, you could strike, look, in Florida now, I think it's Florida, kids, girls in school can't talk about their periods, okay, when that's, they get their menstrual that, that's cycle. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Okay? Yeah. Uh, however, you know, if you're going to have a school, first of all, schools teach your children nothing, okay, the whole public education system, if people did their homework, was set up to make us all worker bees and slaves by the Rockefellers. So they're not really learning anything, but they want to ban books. First of all, what kids are actually reading books these days? Most people you talk to, and you might admit it, well, not you, Richie, because I'm sure you have to read books like I do for your show. Yeah. But when they poll people in America, what's the last book you read? They say, I haven't read a book since I've been out of school. Not even... I mean, that's pathetic if part of the dumbing down of America. But no. if you can ban books before you ban guns in school, there's something seriously wrong. And is that, that's not even a Kindle. That's like, that's like full stop, haven't read anything. Yeah, they're, they're editing Shakespeare. They're editing Ian Fleming's books. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's to the point of ridiculousness, like the Statue of David. I mean, that's ridiculous. Madness. Okay. Yeah, it's madness. It's art. But see, Americans don't have art offered in their schools anymore, any more than they do physical fitness. We have no real culture unless you're an influencer. I guess that's the new culture of America. Uh, So... How easy is it to lie to us every day, which is all mass media does. I don't care if it's Fox or CNN. It's nothing but lies and bullshit. You know, keep the fear going. Keep the fear going so we can beg our our leaders to take care of us. And here in America, what I have found is people have become way more psychotic. If they were borderline, they're pushed over the edge. They become way more psychotic and paranoid. After four years of Trump spewing hate and violence, and that two-year lockdown killed everybody. 
It's not a profound effect. Children are suffering anxiety. Little children should not have to be suffering anxiety. I mean, everything normal went out the window based on the fake pandemic, and I'm calling it a fake pandemic. Uh, All of a sudden now they said, oh, we're testing the waters in this state and that state. There's no sign of COVID in the water. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So I guess whatever they try to accomplish, they'll hit us with something worse. Uh, You know, now they want to, you know, they're trumping up the bird flu. Sooner or later, they're going to say, you know, humans can get it. People have to understand that these people that run the world are not human. They're hybrid savages with no human qualities whatsoever. And as soon as they can replace us with AI, they will. They're doing it right now. It's the technocracy. That's where it all leads, doesn't it? The transhumanist technocracy. Listen, I covered transhumanism, I want to say, 20 years ago, uh, I think was with Daniel Estelin, which is probably one of the shows in my archives that gets the most replay. Good guy, Daniel. Yeah, it's been a long time since I spoke with him, a long time. Right, and people laughed at it, okay? The things I talked about 30, 40 years ago. People laughed about it, but they're not laughing about it now. No, and let me just jump back in. My final thing on the trans thing is I believe that by putting um, children on puberty blockers, I believe that by confusing children, by introducing these notions, you see, there are two separate things going on. I kind of agree with you when you say that you need to approach teaching children about sex or at least talking to them about it a bit differently today because children are far more streetwise maybe than we were. That's a different issue. But talking to to them about, um, at very young ages in the UK, by the way, about lots and lots of different genders and bringing in drag queens. And I went to see drag artist shows, Maria. I knew drag queens in Ireland. I have no problems with, 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 uh, with, with men who, who, who I've work. I've never seen children at a drag show. Well, so I don't understand that they want to keep children at a drag show. There are no children allowed. No, 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 no. In this country, they've, they've started bringing drag artists into primary schools to talk about sex education education with children. I'm not making that up. So the point I'm making is, to go back to your transhumanist thing, I think that this is a deliberate attempt to confuse, to frighten and to mess up children, to prepare them to accept the microchips and to accept the cloud and living in the, uh, what is it, the metaverse, Maria? You know, spending all of your time in there. If you mess a child up enough with this sex education stuff. Well, mess them up with sex education, genetically modified food, experimental drugs that they're passing off as vaccines, uh, fear, you know, 24-7. You know, a sad story in America. They said that most children are afraid of nature. Afraid. So it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where people forget that they're connected to nature, which, of course, makes it easier to destroy nature. You know, so you've always got to say, you know, who benefits? And my own opinion, and your listeners might not agree with me, but I could say this as a mother and a grandmother, okay? When a child's sexuality is in question, I would suggest waiting until after that child hits puberty to let that child figure out what they are. Amen. Amen. Okay. And, and listen, I'll give you a personal example. And I've never told the story publicly, but why the hell not? Okay. You know, I have two granddaughters. Yeah. Uh, when my younger granddaughter was 11, she called me on the phone and she wanted to confess to me 
that she was um, homosexual. You know, she's a grandma. I'm gay, and I, you know, I know she always likes to pull my tr my chain too. So you know, she always <laughs> tries to shock me. She doesn't get nothing shocks me. So you didn't believe her straight up. I know. Here's what I said to her. I said, maybe you are, and maybe you're not. I said, but you come back and tell me when you're 15, not at 11. Yeah, well done, you. Okay, she's getting married next month. You see? To a man. And this, okay. and you know, if she was in the UK, I, I'm not making this up, you know I would never lie to you. If she was going to high school in the UK, they would have sent her to Tavistock in London, and they might have put her on puberty blockers, I swear. Uh. Well, but to me, you know, wait till the kids pass puberty. Yeah. And let them decide, you know. And, you know, I kid her about it once in a while. Listen, I don't care if you're bisexual, gay, whatever you are. Absolutely. But, you know, I just told her, you're too young to know. Because, you know, listen, I was a little girl, too. I was a young girl, too. You know, I grew up with five sisters, you know. There's, you know, you have somewhat of what they call, you know, sibling sexual discovery which is harmless uh and it's a way of figuring out your own sexuality uh but for me it matters not if my children or my grandchildren were gay or straight or bisexual whatever makes you happy but you should be old enough to make that decision not as a little child you um this is this you're making perfect sense and that's my opinion I, I don't know if that pisses off any no it doesn't no no I, I i think you're 100 percent right i made a mistake there because um you said that your granddaughter said um that she that, that she was gay she didn't say she was trans so i was wrong she wouldn't have been put on puberty blockers here in the uk no, no but no, well, no of course no not. but young children but here countries obviously more screwed up than mine in that area yeah if a child in this country up until very recently was expressing to a, a, a to a teacher that they were trans Yes, in, in many cases, they were being recommended um, puberty blockers. Yeah, I want to just do a quick look at the speed of this show flying by. Maria Heller is our guest, great friend of mine, great friend of the show, brilliant broadcaster and journalist. Check her out at Maria, M-E-R-I-A dot net. Um, spiritual then, let's stay with this for the time we have remaining. The late, great Jordan Maxwell, not everybody's cup of tea, but I love the man. I spent many an evening in Spain many years ago listening to him talk about his own philosophies on, on various issues. He, he, he used to talk to me about something he called blood sacrifices to the gods. And he was convinced, Jordan, that the very upper echelons, you know, now the idiots in the despicable independent media, of which there are many, you know, the Jew haters who blame everything on the Jews, um, the, right. the morons, they would say Jews, but of course got nothing to do with Jews. He, he, he would say the upper echelons. And he was often accused of being anti-Semitic. He was often accused of, you know, using terminology like that to hide that he meant the Jews, but he never meant the Jews. The upper echelons, the, the people whose faces we have never seen, they're not the Rothschilds, they're not necessarily the Rockefellers, they're not the, um, the Warburg family or the Oppenheimers, but they're a different breed altogether. We never see them. Jordan believed that these people believed very strongly um, that, that they were worshipping um, otherworldly entities and that a lot of what they were mixed up in in terms of manipulating people like pieces on a chessboard and starting wars and, 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 and every dark thing you can imagine that they were doing it on behalf of other beings 
Now that's something you've looked into yourself over the years. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and you know that I've interviewed Michael Rakia for yeah. 12 years yeah. on my show. And his latest book is, you know, The Attacks from Unseen Beings. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of otherworldly influence, but you also have to get that there are people that are already hybrids. Okay. They're part otherworldly and part human. Uh, and I strongly suggest everybody get the book, Hacking the God Code. I told her yesterday, this is the book of the year, okay? And it's about the secret plan to steal human souls. And I know that sounds a little off to a lot of people, but remember this, the best predictors of the future have always been science fiction writers. Yeah. So even though this may sound like science fiction and it's too much for the average brain to even wrap their head around, people need to start giving it some credibility. You know, I forget that old guy in the Canadian parliament that wrote that book about being in the underground tunnels the military uh, tunnels, seeing hybrids, seeing, you know, all kinds of experiments and whatever. I forget his name, uh, but he wrote a book on it. Uh, so there's a lot that we are not being told uh, because it would be too frightening, I think, for most people. But without the spiritual component, looking at what's going on in the world, which we are currently in the middle of a spiritual Armageddon, uh, you look at how the, every nation seems to be pushing now for a nuclear war, you know, from Iran to Russia to the United States to North Korea. I mean, uh, you have to get, well, look at all these leaders. Who are they really working for? Are they working for us? You know they're not. After this latest school shooting, they asked a lot of Republicans what we can do about it. And one Republican said, there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. So when they don't change the law for that, they don't change the laws for immigration. It's because they don't want to. It's that simple. They enjoy this. Remember, part of Agenda 2030 is to eliminate 90% of the population. We're the carbon they want rid of. Exactly. They'll keep enough of us, I guess, for food. But that's about it. Why? why? It stands then. If, if what you believe is true, and it might be, and I don't know because this is, a lot of this goes over my head because I'm not very spiritual. There are those who would argue I am, but I'm not really, but I'm fascinated and we don't talk enough about it on the programme. If there are, um, if there is the unseen and there is a darkness and it is involved in the, the, the horrors that we talk about on these programmes, it, it it makes sense to me then that there is an opposite to that and that the opposite is 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 good and pure and that's an opposite that's in the i don't know that's otherworldly too where is it well the opposite of that is the human soul you know you got to get these other beings they're not capable of love empathy any of the human qualities which may, should make it very easy for people to spot it in their leaders. You yeah. know, is this guy human or is he, you know, a demon? I'm just, I just clump them all and call them demons. I don't want to identify them as Arcturians or Greys or this or that. Uh, it's e easier to just say they're demons. Uh, but there are good people. Look at the people rising up around the world. Look at the, the new generation 
of, of people that have come into this planet at the worst possible time. And you can't tell me that everybody in your audience can't see the dark energy surrounding this entire planet. I love this okay, about so that dark yeah. energy and fear. Fear is used as a control over us. And all we have to do is learn to say no. I take the mickey out of Generation Z remorselessly sometimes. And this is an important segue now because you see great potential and great hope in the 18 to 25 year olds. Whereas I take the mickey out of them because the ones I see online are not able to cope with being confronted by somebody who's got a different opinion than them. But I'm getting, I'm just getting one side of that story. You believe that younger folks are ready for the battle ahead. Yeah, well, why else would you come to this planet at this particular time? There is I that. wouldn't. I don't recommend anybody have children now at all because I know where it's headed and I'm not going to say that it's a great giant movement, okay? Uh, and I'm not going to say that I have 100% uh, belief that we're going to pull this off because it's hard to believe that. It's hard at the moment to believe it when you see what happened in the last two to three years, the inhumanity. I love what you said about them not being human. Just look at the things they do. How could you lock senior citizens into care homes all over the world and abandon them and make their, force their families into wearing, you know, spacesuits to, to even approach a window to wave at them. I mean, somebody who does that is demonic. I'm going to, I don't use terms like that because I'm not very spiritual, but that is demonic crap, isn't it? To do exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, here in America, they want to call themselves a Christian country. I can't tell you how many homeless people we have living on the streets here, how many children are starving. And then you get a Republican congressman who votes against free lunch for kids saying, I never met a hungry person. Well, yeah, you're white, you're rich, you have power. Where would you meet a hungry person? Do you know what I mean? So, you know, they, we can say we're a Christian nation, which is bullshit, by the way. Our founders despise Christianity, so no use to it. Uh, but it's not in action. It's just empty words. You were raised a Catholic like me, weren't you? Of course. No, I was worse. I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, we've had this bloody conversation before. Yes, of course. Yeah. I just make the assumption again, don't I? Because you being Italian. Well, I love the way you said worse. Yeah. I love the way you said worse. Worse, worse yeah. But you know what? I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that. I mean, you know, all right, you force-fed the Bible, you know, every day of your life. But I learned public speaking. I learned how to talk to people. I, I learned how to debate. I learned my study habits through that because you're studying all the time. Uh, so I decided to just, you know, take the good from it and walk away from the rest. What, what does the Bible mean to you know in 2023 well when i refer to it in social media i spell it b-y-b-u-y-b-u-l-l why because you're buying bull that's why right let me let me dig into this because the 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 the, the message of jesus in the new testament and I'm agnostic when it comes to religion, so I neither believe nor disbelieve. I don't know what to believe, to be honest. But Jesus' message is beautiful, isn't it? It's a blueprint by how we should live our lives. 
Yeah, and he would be impaled quicker today in America than he was when he was. So what you mean by bull is, the Bible is presented to us by thugs who, I don't mean, but, but it, yeah, I suppose. People need to learn history, okay? History's so important, that's why they're erasing it in our classrooms, as if they ever taught real history. Uh, but there were over 300, I want to say maybe 336 books, supposedly, little books of the Bible. And then you had Constantine handpick the 66 he would put in the Bible, taking away all the metaphysical stuff, all the stuff about ETs, all the stuff about women uh, priests. See, I don't, know very, I don't know very much about any of this. This is fascinating. So you're saying right. that the Bible should have been a much bigger uh, tome, well, yeah. a much bigger text, they right? They cherry-picked what they wanted. They took out anything really spiritual. Not all of it, because that would have been impossible. But when you look in the Bible, there's still snippets of it. You know, uh, you got uh, the king who had David interpret his dreams. They used astrologers. You know, there's a, still some of that left behind. But remember, the Bible is a man-made book written by men three, four hundred years after the fact. Okay. If you, I asked you what you have for dinner last Friday, I bet you couldn't tell me. Yeah, you're right. But yet these guys are writing, you know, what Jesus said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, First of all, where they get all those white names in the Bible, okay? There are no white people in the Bible. No, there, there weren't too many fair-skinned people hanging around Bethlehem and Right, and, and they got yeah. all these white names, John and Paul and Luke, come on, okay? Yeah. Their names were probably more Muhammad and, you know, that type of thing, uh, if they existed at all. But I always say that man created God in his own image, a violent, racist, hateful God. You know, and of course, I'm not, you know, people say, oh, Maria, that's the Old Testament. Well, what about the book of Revelation? Okay, that's in the New Testament. It's one of the scariest. You want to ban a book for pornography and violence in America, ban the Bible. Is it coded the Bible? Some of our mutual friends over the years, they take um, they, they take a position that the Bible is very useful. First of all, because you said Jesus would be crucified quicker today than he was back then. But the message is, it is a blueprint by which, you know, I'm not saying I try to live my life like that because I don't read the Bible. But when I do think back to Jesus's message and Jesus's teachings, it's a beautiful thing, right? So, so I've lost my train of thought now on the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I was... I was I, 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 I did so many shows on The God That Doesn't Exist, and I think that's the name of a movie. You might still be able to rent it on Netflix. That's an interesting God one. But before that never existed. I mean, and Jesus never existed. Uh, I think the Bible was just a lot of parables and stories and fairy tales uh, and of, of their time, of when it was written. But it was, you know, like everything else, all religions were created to control the people. Which Napoleon is, Bonaparte said that religion was invented to keep the poor from murdering the rich. What about those who say that at this particular point in time, the book of Revelation is not only useful, but you can match up some of what has happened, not even loosely. You know, we people have come on this program, articulate people, and they've said, Richie, you know, the mark of the beast, this is vaccines this is microchipping people through vaccines maybe the bible is a metaphor and maybe some of the bible is coded in that way like the book of revelation i'm i'm open-minded enough to that what do you think 
Well, you got, you know, Babylon the Great, you got the war of the either North and the South, you've got, you know, all these uh, predictions in there. Uh, those were predictions made for the times that happened, you know, maybe 700 years after the writing. Okay, they weren't predictions made for today. It's not like they were Nostradamus. If people wanted to see something that's absolutely the truth, that uh, you know you don't have to cover up, just read Brave New World yeah. by Huxley. Read 1984. Both those writers were insiders. They must have been, yeah. Well, they were. They were insiders, and they overheard these conversations, and they put the books together. Uh, so, you know, to me, that carries more weight than, you know, some Bible written, you know, three, four hundred years after the fact. Uh, and I have no use for it. In actuality, Richie, I have no use for any religion. That doesn't mean if any of your people listening to follow a religion, if you live your religion, good for you. Okay. In America, religion is now the Christian nationalist movement. You know, they want guns, guns for Jesus. And I mean, how crazy is that? What would Jesus think of guns for Jesus? But, you know, they'll use the Bible to justify their their own hatred, their own prejudice, their own racism. Uh, they just cherry pick it. You know, and after all those years of having the Bible shoved down my throat, uh, I got three words out of it. And that was all I needed. Okay, Richie, you want to know what it was? Go on. It's a simple sentence in the Bible. God is love. I love this. Um, look, I I can understand your... I can understand your... Um, frust not frustration, but the, the, the legacy of having the Bible rammed down your throat. I totally get that. A point I made clumsily earlier on is that maybe it's the messenger, not the Bible itself, but who and what delivered the Bible. And for centuries and centuries and centuries, the Bible was delivered to the people by tyrants. And that's not insignificant. And a friend of mine is saying to me, in her opinion, bottom line, uh, Maria, Jesus reduced the demands down to two commandments, honour the divine and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Pretty simple. And those, exactly. that's a and philosophy to live when with. I went up to, you know, it was after one of their hellfire sermons of Armageddon and how only Jehovah's Witnesses were going to survive and terrorizing us with all the yeah. ugly things in the book of Revelation. And I was probably about 10 or 11 rich. And I went up to the elder after the hellfire sermon. And I looked at him and I, this is simply what I said to him, Richie. I said, the Bible says God is love. And if God is love, none of that is going to happen. And I was berated for it. Yeah, we, we had priests right throughout my childhood. And these were not the ones who abused children. These were priests who didn't abuse children. But the ones I met, I'm not going to name them now. There was one, I will name him, he was an absolute, he was evil incarnate. A guy called Father Nicholas Power, who was a priest in in uh, St. Paul's Parish in Waterford. And this really affected me, and it drove me away from religion, really, was that the people delivering this beautiful message were often the most awful people. Awful. Right. Yeah. 
I couldn't. Right. I Plastic couldn't, abusers, yeah. you yeah. name it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're the holy of the holy. Well, look at you know, how they dictate to us here posing as Christians when there's nothing Christian about them. And I, I, you know, people say to me, Maria, are you a Christian? And I say, by my actions. Absolutely. To right. me, Christian is a verb, not a noun. Yeah, this is they're loving this on 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 the website. You're not getting a caning at all, Marie. Not today. Anyway. Oh, oh wow! No, I'm no. Disappointed, and maybe they're taking it easy on me since I had that big fall last night. That could be it. No, that look, I I get it too because whenever I've and I've I used to do it quite often. I don't do it anymore because he's not so much in the news. But uh, before Trump became president, I told people what would happen. I got abused for that. When he was president, I criticised him. It was the same. But look, they, they still come back and listen. And, 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 and I love that. And they listen to you. And that's um, what we're lacking. And this is not a sermon I'm giving here now. Not to Maria anyway. I wouldn't dream of it. But to everybody. We are lacking that. That's one of the ways they've managed to get ahead in the game is that we... We, we, we don't have, you and I do, because we've often butted heads on issues, but the great majority of people are no longer um, able to coexist with people who see things differently. Or just have a conversation yeah. or debate. But, you know, this started with the Internet because it started people becoming isolated. Yeah. Instead of it bringing people together, it isolated people. And now we have self-censorship because if you say the wrong thing, boom, you're, you're canceled or, you know, your Twitter account's taken away or whatever. Uh, so this is all deliberate, okay? None of this happened by chance. This is all deliberate to keep us separate. And you know the old story. If they keep us fighting amongst themselves, we can, uh, they laugh all the way to the bank. That's about the most important thing that, that I try to impress upon people who are new to programs like this and they're a bit, you know, kind of a little bit reluctant to engage with it. And I, 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 it's the thing I'd like people, more than anything, if you could make people understand something, if you could induce an understanding in them, is that, yeah, the, the, the petty squabbles over identity that is the greatest weapon in the armory of the tyrants at the moment. You know, oh, yeah, the, it's culture war, so yeah. we don't see the real war. So we don't see how badly we're all getting screwed. And it doesn't matter what party you're a part of, okay? Uh, they, I always told people when the cops started really going at it, you know, which they've done forever, murdering blacks in America, most people didn't care because it didn't affect them. Well, now that they're, and I said sooner or later they come for all of us. Well, now they're doing the same thing to white people, to old ladies. I mean, it, 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 there's no distinction. You know, these people are not human, and their goal is to kill as many of us as possible or break our connection to the spirit world or, or whatever we refer to as our own personal God or all-seeing eye, whatever the hell you want to call it. And these vaccines were a big part of that because the vaccine is going to change your connection, your DNA, which is your God code. And once that DNA is changed and a few more slips of some nanotechnology and you're half robot and half person, then you might say, oh, maybe Maria was right. Yeah, if it gets to that stage, it's game over. We're just about out of time. Give us a quick 60-second uh, infomercial for the brilliant Maria Heller show. <laughs> Here's the infomercial. I did uh, terrestrial radio for almost two years. Jack Blood was my producer. 
moved over to the internet to try it for a few months. And in July, I start my 24th year of podcasting, which totals about 26 years of doing this. I've got 800 hours of education, not entertainment, education on my site. You can pick a subscription that works for you that's cheap as $9.95 or whatever else you want to do. But I guarantee you there will never be one show there that's going to bore you or not teach you something you don't know. Nobody will ever accuse it of being boring. That's a fact. It's uh, not terrific, Maria. M-E-R-I-A dot net. Thanks for coming back on today. Brilliant. That hour just flew, boy. Look after yourself and uh, you'll be back much sooner. Please, please go. Thanks, Richie. Thanks for having me and thanks for your audience and everybody stay safe out there. Thank you, Maria. Maria Heller, live from Arizona. The website M-E-R-I-A dot net. Get on it now. Great to have her back on. We covered a lot of ground there, didn't we? Uh, a lot of subjects, a lot of topics. That's nearly it for the programme. One or two comments before um, we... Um, uh, part company today. Let me just scroll down uh, there. Chris says, Orwell, Blair, he says. Uh, Huxley, also Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke and Kubrick for more, you know, authors and script writers who gave us a clue. Patrick reckons the Bible was altered and mostly should be discounted, but he believes Christ consciousness is real and it is a link to divinity. Not an easy concept for people to grasp if they've had their minds controlled, which has happened for millennia, he says there. Thank you so much for that. Colm says, Richie and Maria, he says, uh, millions upon millions will die from the doses they have received over the next seven years. Um, like insect eggs, those mRNA shots are hatching away, not to mention nanochips and uh, EMF control grid when it is activated. And Colin believes that God steps in in the end. Millie reckons I see it like this. Two sexes, man and woman, possibly a third, and that would be hermaphrodite. As far as gender goes, there are definitely three, straight, boy or gay. End of, says Millie. And on that bombshell, we will part company for today. Now, you did hear me say to you earlier on in the week that I would do a show on Friday, didn't you? In lieu of Monday and the streaming. However... However, Paul Ripley has informed me, my engineer, who will be installing the, the, the cameras and setting us up for video streaming, that he's going to be working pretty much most of the day here tomorrow. So at the moment, it's looking like I won't be with you tomorrow because we'll be working on filming this as we go forward, right? But um, don't write it out completely. Keep an eye on the website. I'll post on the website tomorrow to let you know. But it might be off. Failing that... I'll be with you on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock UK time for Sunday morning melodies. And this show will, of course, return on Monday at 5 o'clock UK time, or BST, I should say now. Thanks so much to Maria. That was terrific. Thanks to you for listening during the week. Please do support it. Go to richieallen.co.uk where it says support your show. If you haven't supported it before, now's the time to do it, please. You won't hear me make an appeal again for months. So please pay attention to this one. Have a great weekend if we don't talk tomorrow. Closing out with Metallica because they received an honourable mention on the show earlier on. Bye from me. Bye now.